Hey, this is Ryan Tucker, and welcome to the weekly podcast, The Unchangeable Truth, as we sit down with Pastor Stephen and discuss his weekly sermons. We are honored and thankful that you are listening, and we would ask you, no matter what social media platform that you're on, that you would like, share, comment, rate um, this podcast, so that way we can make sure that we get it where we need to. Um, again, we're just thankful that you're able to listen. Also, if you have questions concerning anything in the sermon or anything that comes through the discussion, you can submit those questions to podcast at highlandpark.org. Again, we thank you that you are listening. Please like and share, and we will see you soon. Hey, this is Ryan Tucker, and welcome to our weekly podcast with Pastor Stephen. And uh, we are in the series, A Life Transformation. We're looking at the book of Romans, and this week we're in Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 21. But before we dive into the sermon, Pastor Stephen, we've got a couple of questions um, that I want to go ahead and ask. And the first question is this, it's, uh, and I'm just going to read the question directly. It says, Pastor Stephen said in his sermon on Sunday that it isn't God's will that we lose people or for Christians to die, Right. So Romans 8:28 says that God works all things out for the good of those who love him. Do you think, and here's the question, do you think that includes things that are outside the will of God? Yeah. Doesn't it doesn't it say God works all things? So I would say that is correct. Um yeah, he works. He even works. He will work in uh in our own disobedience, in our own failure, um, you know, uh, he'll work in our own foolishness uh, to to bring about good and bring about glory. Uh, yeah, the point the point that I was making is a lot of folks just they arbitrarily say everything that happens. Well, that's just the will of God. That's just the will of God, and. If that were the case, then I, I could sit there and say, okay, well, the will of God is that I sin. But yet he tells me he doesn't want me to, so it's his will. But anyway, so what is the result of sin? It is death. And, um, you know, that uh, the point or the statement that I made in the sermon is at funerals, I can I, I believe I can stand there and legitimately say hey wasn't god's will for your loved one to die that's a result of sin that's a result of sin it's a real fine line ryan because uh over in hebrews it says there's nothing that happens in our lives that has not been sifted through his hands which basically means there is uh, uh an allowance there uh, but the direct result of death is our death is the direct result of disobedience of, of sin which we know disobedience and sin that's never God's will or God's plan uh, so there really there's a couple of different things when it comes to his will different categories there um, so there you know there's the permissive will and uh, there's the um, what the omissive will or I can't remember exactly but basically, uh, yes, there's there's things that happen that he allows to happen, but because he allows that, it doesn't mean that he causes that. And clearly, uh, if everything that happened was his will, and I've, I say this quite regular, 
Why in the world did Jesus teach us in the model prayer to pray, may your will be done on earth as it is Hmm. in heaven, if everything that automatically happens on earth is the will of God? Right. So to the question itself, yeah, he will. He'll take take bad things, and he will work it for good, uh, you know, provided that we sit there and— uh, we're, you know, the, the last part of that verse says that those that are called according to his purposes. Um, so, you know, what's the calling according to his purpose? Well, he gets glory. And so if my driving force in life is, Hey God, may you get glory through my life. Hey God, may you get glory through even this, that God will, uh, God will use that for my good. Again, what do I interpret as my good? Well, his glory, his glory. Uh, so, I mean, you could even look at death and say, okay, how can God use somebody's death for my good in his glory? He doesn't say that we'll understand right. how all things will work out. It just says it will. And we've all found ourselves in situations to where we're like, there's no way any good is going to come from this. Fast forward 20 years and you look back, you look back and you're like, you know, some good really came out of that. Some good. We're here and now. We don't have the thirty thousand foot view right. like God does, and so uh, it's it's hard for us. Again, so much of what we know about God and we try to understand about God is uh, is limited because of our ability. Uh, we are uh, finite beings trying to understand an infinite God. Right. So you 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 said something that you know we don't sometimes we don't understand the things that happen. Um, and I think that probably causes some tension in people's lives. Like we want to know everything that, that happens. And sometimes we don't understand the way that God works. We don't understand maybe why things are happening. Do you think, and this is, this is just another question that I've had, um, you know, internally in, in the ministry that, that we work with, but um, this is there a difference between doubt, doubting God, and not understanding God and maybe questioning God? Like, is there a difference? Like, um, we've been going through the book of James and in, in young adult ministry, and it says, you know, don't don't doubt. But I think that doubt there is an unbelief, an unbelief in God, not not believing that God can do what He says He's going to do, but is there a difference between doubt and questioning? Like, I don't understand why God does this. And I think I can handle the questions that we ask. Does that, does that make sense? Like, is, is there a difference between doubt and questioning? I think, I think a part of life is, uh, it is why questioning it is, uh, you know, you could use, as you said, the terminology doubt, uh, to me, to me, the, where it crosses the line where the danger is when you doubt his very characteristics and nature. Okay. I doubt that you are uh, omnipotent. Right. I, I doubt right. that you have defeated death. I, I, I doubt that you've made a way for, for my sin to be forgiven. You know, for you to sit there and say, oh, hey, God, why, uh, why did I not get that job? I really wanted that job. Why not get that job? Uh, I mean, you can voice it or not voice it. I mean, God knows if you're thinking it there in your heart. <laughs> right, but ultimately, right. uh, again, you have to you have to know your 
you're not necessarily going to receive an answer. Uh, but to sit there and kind of, uh, to me, it's a kind of a, a working through of our faith. Uh, because, yeah. you know, there have been times, especially early on in my walk, where something would happen. And clearly I would say, why did this happen, God? What are you doing here, God? And then, and then uh, you get to the other side of that. And the next time you find yourself in the valley of doubt, you're like, oh, but I got to remember last time I was here. He, he was doing something. Right. He was working something out here. But is there a difference between doubt and questioning? Uh, I mean, it, it would all depend on who's using the okay. verbiage. Yeah. I, w- I would say, though, uh, you know, there is um, uh, there's temporary doubt or for a season or something along those lines. But this overarching, I just don't think God can do what God says he can do. That's That's danger. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so the next question. We had two this week. Um, the next question concerns the the tree of life. Somebody is wanting to know what you think about the tree of life. And the question lies in this. It says, um, "Our life is our lifespan shorter because we don't have access to the tree of life? Um, and I'm going to let you run with that one, bro. That's a tough one. Right, right. Well, and I'm and I'm sitting there and I'm trying to remember. Uh, did we even talk about the tree of life uh, in the message? Um, Maybe somebody was doing some extra study some, some, and some started extra, diving deep. extra biblical stuff. Yeah. Hey, so the tree of life, uh, you know, the tree of life in the Garden of Eden, and you know, God told them that they could eat from that, and it, it, God did not say you've got to eat from that. Uh, God said you you can eat from that. Uh, there's a lot of different viewpoints uh, when it comes to the tree of life, which will also be in heaven. And you talk about the tree of life in uh, in Revelation. You know, it says its leaves were for healing and all those kinds of things. So, uh, is it were they able to eat from the tree of life and thus it cause uh, immortality? Uh, no, we know that we know that death happened because. Because of sin, it was a direct result uh, of the curse of sin, the fall of man, death came about. So even if the tree of life, if they still had access to it or, or whatever the case may be, we, we really don't know what happened to it. Uh, whatever whatever case it is, they, they still would have tasted death because death was the punishment for sin. Uh, now, there. To me, the larger question, not so much the tree of life. Adam and Eve did not taste death because they weren't able to eat from the tree of life. They they tasted death because they sinned. Um, And even then, what Adam lived, was it 900 years, something along along those lines? So he was there for a while. But the you do see, I see more of a uh, a change in the uh, longevity of life after the flood. And uh, there's a lot of things there, you know. Well, you've you've got the um, uh, you've got the uh, environmental change, in essence, starting all over again. Right. Um, you you've also got uh, some some folks say that there was uh, oh oh I know the diet mm. after the flood. Yeah, you know some folks say well you know pre flood vegetarians and fruits and all that kind of stuff after flood you know whatever you can get and 
Uh, you know, whether that's true or not, I don't know. My grandmother ate, <laughs> ate red-eyed gravy every morning of her life. And red-eyed gravy is like, uh, I mean, is like motor oil. Um, I've never heard of red-eyed you've gravy. You've never heard of red-eyed gravy? Red-eye? Like- Basically, you cook your ham or your, you know, and, and then all of a sudden versus putting milk and all that kind of stuff, you just put a little bit of coffee in there. Uh, to make a gravy <laughs> no. out of it, and it's red-eyed gravy. Uh, and so, uh, anyway, hardcore, uh. hardcore. Not probably not good for your veins. But and she lived, my goodness, ninety something along those lines. So, uh, you know, I, who did diet? Did, was that it? We have no idea. Some even say that uh, there was kind of the the oxygen, the oxygen that was available changed after mm. the flood. Yeah. Yeah, but it's it's weird. Oxygen is a weird thing. You don't get enough, it's bad. You get too much, it's bad. So uh, I, I'll tell you my own personal opinion. Genetics. Fair. Because after the flood, the genetic pool is a lot smaller. You got six. Adam, you know, uh, Noah and his wife, they, they didn't have, the Bible says they had no more sons, so... You basically got his three sons and their three wives, and the genetic code gets a lot smaller. And uh, you, you know, you see you see another uh, significant drop in age after the Tower of Babel. Uh, I'm just saying, when that genetic pool gets yeah. smaller and yeah. smaller and smaller, then uh, then all of a sudden the age gets lower and lower. The reality is, we don't know. We don't know. I mean, when sin was unleashed on the earth <laughs> and all kinds of disease and decay and everything along those lines uh, have uh, have happened. Is it a direct correlation to the tree of life? I don't think it's I don't think it's a direct correlation to the tree of life. It's a direct cor- correlation to uh, to the fall of man, and which, you know, at basically kicked them out of the garden where the tree of life was but i don't think they were eating the tree of life to live longer um i think they lived longer because number one there was no death Uh, Mm. but then you get outside of them and you see like methuselah you see some others that live to a long age you know some would say that with uh you know with methuselah uh, that god was god was taking his life and using that as a pattern uh, a prophetic pattern in the number of years that he lived, uh, who knows, man? Who knows? Uh, so our producer would like to know um, the fruit. Uh, is it is it a tomato tree? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, we don't know. That, that's 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 what I feel. <laughs> you feel, that's you what feel I feel like I've, 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 I've stated that claim publicly. <laughs> I've, I've been I've been believing it privately for quite some time that. <laughs> That, yeah. that Eve was tempted by a tomato. <laughs> but when I stop and say that, say because I've never added the word tempted in there. When I stop and say the word out loud, I'm thinking, look, bro, you could you could throw a lot at me. You tempt me with a tomato. Sorry. You know, yeah. I'm not I'm not I'm not giving over to that. But uh, we, we don't know. We just assume it was the apple. Nowhere. Does it say apple? Right. Nowhere. I guess somebody drew a picture of it one time. We're like, yeah, it was all an apple. <laughs> 
Um, so we, yeah, we don't, we don't know. It's, it was fruit. There you go. Fruit, so there you well, go. thanks for answering those questions. We're going to go ahead and jump right into the sermon. Romans chapter 5, 12 through 21. Um, you say that Paul is comparing Adam and the message he created for us when he sinned, comparing that to Jesus and the wonderful mission and the message he brought when Jesus died. And, and your first point uh, was the ruin of humanity with Adam. And uh, so can you, can you expound on that, uh, w- what you mean by the ruin of humanity with Adam? Well, ruin is a, uh, that might be a little strong, the word, coupled with Adam, what I was trying to, or to me, what Paul was doing in the scripture, he was using Adam there really as the, uh, as the mascot of sin. And uh, the point I even made is, okay, we can't sit over here in the peanut gallery in the cheap seats and, you know, point our finger at Adam and say, thanks for ruining it for me, brother. You know, thanks, Adam. Thanks. You ruined the all mankind. Well, uh, no, we could take Adam out. Uh, that's just how sin entered the world. We could take his name out. We put our name in there. Uh, it's a direct result of sin. So I would say sin, it has. It has caused the greatest problem in the world. Uh, even all the other uh, tragedies and difficulties that we say, oh, well, what about, what about cancer? Can- well, cancer is a direct result of sin. Disease resulted from the fallen world. Uh, molestation. Um, I mean, you, you might say, well, divorce. Divorce is horrendous. Yeah, it is. Direct result of sin. Sin entering the world. So the terminology uh, that I used, how Adam ruined humanity or ruined the world. Yeah, because of the sin that came into the world. And it continues on with us. We can't sit there and, again, just say, well, you know, I am who I am because of Adam. Well, yeah, yeah, you are who you are because you have the blood of Adam Adam flowing through your veins. Uh, But Adam's not sitting there saying, all right, you know who you are. You got to do this. Right. Well, I even like the statement that you made. You you said that Adam, when when Adam sinned, he kind of opened up Pandora's box of pain and suffering and negative consequences. Um, that man that we still feel to the effects of today. So, um, so your your first point the the ruin of humanity with Adam and it was because of sin the reign of sin in there. Then your next point on under this was the reign of death, and you talk about three different types of death. Um, and I, I know that's kind of weird to talk about, but can you can you expound? Can you talk about the the three different types of death that you were that you talked about in your sermon. Yeah, and you know, we talked about the reign of the reign of sin that brought about the ruin of humanity, which which sin produced the reign of of death. Uh, and the reign of death is is very real. We we are all aware of the reign of death every single day because we are aware of folks that are physically dying, but uh, the the three deaths there, when you look at how we were created, we were created in the very image of of God. Uh, in Genesis, he even says, let, let us make man in our image. And the hour there is uh, the, the God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit, the, the triune God. 
and so when he created us, he created us in his image. We're physical with us and we have a soul and we have a spirit about us. So naturally, we think of when it comes to death, the physical, the physical, when the spirit leaves the body and the heart stops beating and uh, the brain quits firing and all those things. When somebody, uh, Paul would say, when somebody shells out of their tent, huh. uh, that's death. That's the death that we think of, physical, physical death, but uh, not, not the greatest, the greatest death. Uh, spiritual, spiritual death. You can be spiritually dead and still be alive physically. And a lot of people, I would, I would say the majority of the people are that way. Mm. Uh, what is a spiritual death? It's somebody who is still separated from God by their own sin. So uh, they don't know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. They've never surrendered to him. No relationship that is there. And so as a result of being spiritually dead, they would look and say, well, no, look, I'm alive. Here I am. All these things are happening in life. I promise I'm paying taxes. I'm, you know, I'm vote. Well, I don't know that you have to be alive to vote. But anyway, <laughs> the... All these things are happening, and so I'm alive. And really, you're you're more dead. You're more dead when you're spiritually dead than when you are physically dead. Mm. Because for the believer, for the believer in Christ, to be physically dead is to be spiritually uh, and eternally alive. Uh, only God could sit there and say, hmm, how can I give life? I know how I'll give life out of death. And it makes no sense. Who would have chosen to do it that way? Well, only the one who could defeat death. And that right. is God through his son, Jesus Christ. So yeah, the physical death, again, spirit has been separated from the body. The body functions no longer. We would say they're in a grave or they've been cremated or uh, what, what, whatever is going to happen when you physically die, uh, the spiritual, uh, you, you, you don't know, you know, you have no life in your spirit because life only comes through Jesus Christ. He's the one who makes you alive. And then when it comes to the eternal death, we know that is the ultimate final death when you are spiritually dead, or if you physically die spiritually dead, then you'll reap eternal death, separation from God forever and ever with no opportunity to do anything about that. And uh, God's given us all the opportunity in the world right now to do something about both those deaths in which if you're spiritually alive, then we know that you're going to have eternal life. And when you know that you have those, then it kind of even lessens the sting of physical death. Right. That's the reason why we can sit there and go and visit folks in the hospital or we have family members or friends who go through horrendous uh, bouts of, I don't know, of cancer or whatever the case may be. And, and they sit there and they come to the end of their life and they're like, you know what, I'm good. I'm good. I'm ready. Uh, I can, I, I'm ready to go ahead and drink this cup. I'm, I'm ready. I've got hope uh, because they're spiritually alive. So then you shift gears. You know, we talk about the the ruin of humanity with Adam because of their their sin. There's these the reign of death, physical, spiritual, uh, e- eternal. 
then your point number two uh, overall was the redemption of humanity that we have in Jesus, which, uh, you know, it's, it's a, a beautiful picture of what grace is. And you even talk about grace, the reign of grace, and you say the, uh, the reign of life. Um, so I, I know, I know you like to talk about Jesus. I know you like to talk about grace and, and the life that he gives us. So, uh, can you, can you talk about what you mean in, in redemption of humanity and Jesus and the reign of grace? Well, and, and one of the points that I, I, I've tried to draw out is the very fact that uh, grace is not something that is only important when you physically die. Uh, it's kind of like those who say, well, you know, eternal life. I'll have eternal life when I physically die one day. And yet, no, eternal life comes the very moment that you meet Jesus. Grace as well. Grace is something that not only will or well, not only did it forgive us of our sins, the grace also will one day uh, give us heaven as a home, but grace also is moving and working in my life every single day, uh, making me into his very image because we know that uh, he didn't forgive you and save you just so you would go to heaven. No, he, he wants to change you. He wants to make you a different individual. Uh, so others will see the mighty, powerful, working hand of God. But, um, you know, we see all throughout the scriptures, beautiful pictures of grace, uh, some of the most horrendous acts of evil. And then all of a sudden, especially in the life of Jesus, we see tremendous, tremendous gifts of grace and so uh, I think, I, well, I love what Paul is saying here, where sin abounded, grace abounded much mm, more, yeah, yeah. right? Um, that's that's one of those uh, high five right there. Maybe maybe we should even take that scripture and put it on our uh, the rear bumpers of our cars, because, <laughs> uh, boy, we need some grace when it comes to that. But how powerful that statement is, because here's what it means, that there has never been a person, nor will there ever be a person who lives that no matter how wicked they are, can say, my sin cannot be covered. Because he he throws the trump card, right? He, 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 he kind of says, all right, I'm going to set the bar pretty high. And we think, well, no, no. Now, he really didn't know how how wicked I would be. And he's like, eh, yeah, I kind of thought outside the lines a little bit. I, 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 just in case, I went ahead and just gave grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. Uh, again, where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. And uh, one of the points that I even drew out was if you ever find yourself sitting there saying, well, my, my, my sin's too great to be forgiven or uh, my sin is, is, is too great to stay forgiven, then you're not really speaking about yourself. You're really saying, well, God's too small. Mm. Mm. God's too small. Um, because it's not about how wicked you are. It's about how great his grace is. Well, and you, you talk about um, the great picture of grace by giving the example of, you know, Christ on the cross and 
you know, that's a, that's a, you even say it, that sin at its worst when, when the soldiers did what they did to him, you know, as they're uh, beating him, as they're plucking out the hairs on his beard, as they're putting the crown of thorns on his head, as he's uh, just, you know, being pounded with the, the, the whips. Um, well, and well, when, 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 when I think of, okay, what is, what is the, uh, what is the greatest event or picture that we've seen when it comes to evil in this world? I automatically go to, uh, to Golgotha. Right. And, uh, if you've ever had the opportunity to go and you look and you see, it was called the place of the skull because the way the rocks were formed, it it still to this day looks like two eye sockets, looks like a skull and a mouth and a nose and all that kind of stuff. And to know what they did to Jesus there at uh, at Golgotha, uh, if it weren't for grace, would would be known as the worst atrocity to ever take place in yeah. the world. I can promise you, nobody would be wearing a cross around their neck. Right. That'd be like us wearing a, uh, I'm going to get an electric chair and put it around my neck and yeah. have a charm yeah. right there. Well, no, grace is what changed it all. Well, and, and even even when Jesus says, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. Like, I, 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 can't, I can't wrap my brain around being in that moment and having all these things done to me and yet at the same time going forgive them i i i get mad when people cut me off in traffic i i can't i can't wrap my brain around that and that's just uh in in those words father forgive them like that's just this beautiful picture of exactly what we're talking about the grace that abounds more the love that is there the unconditional love that he has for us and what he did like um i i don't i i can't wrap my brain around it Stephen. Like, well and i mean clearly we know that he was tempted to not be the uh image yeah. bearer of grace or the carrier of grace especially in that moment and who would have blamed him uh, if at that point in time he's he he said all right forget it this is over your yeah. grace is done it's all used up uh but he knew his mission yeah he knew he came to die he knew he knew the greater need of of the world and and us and so he was not going to let anything sidetrack him uh from from that ultimate mission paying the price for Sin. What was it? Was it? Uh, was it Peter? When Jesus said, "Hey, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go back to Jerusalem. I'm going to suffer many things, and then I'm going to die." And then Peter's like, "No, not as long as I'm here. Right? right. No way. That's not going to happen." Right. And Peter was saying that kind of, you know, bragging a little. Maybe yeah. that's how Peter is personality. Yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, in his in his heart, he's like, "No way, Jesus. I'm not going to let people do. I love you. I care for you. I'm I'm strong enough. I'm big enough. I, I walked care. on water with you. That's right. That's right. It'll not happen as long as I'm here." And then Jesus said, "Get behind me, Satan." Yeah. Mm. And uh, so Jesus was saying, "Let's not. You know, you guys. You may not be aware of the end game. The end game is that I would die." Yeah. And 
I love this statement. There's never been, nor will there ever be a sin in the world that is stronger than the grace of God. And, and again, he just he proved that um, over and over again. Uh, so you have the, the reign of grace. We have redemption of humanity in Jesus, the reign of grace, and then the, the reign of life. And um, man, just, just in John 17, and this is eternal life that you may know I'm sorry. And this is eternal life, that they may know you and may know your son, Jesus Christ. So that, that is eternal life, knowing, knowing Jesus as your personal Savior, like knowing, having this relationship with him. That's, that's that, that, that life that we have eternally because of Jesus and because of what he's done. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't like the definition of eternal life as living forever. I mean, that, that may be what it says in Webster's. Honestly, I've not looked, so I don't know. I'm not saying that's a, you know, it's a wrong definition. I'm just saying I don't like it. Right. Uh, no. If there's no Jesus, there's no eternal life. If there's no Jesus, there's no life. Period. So uh, that's the reason why I'm like, hey, listen, man. If anybody ever asks you, what is eternal life? Say eternal life is knowing Jesus Christ. Uh, and you know, that's the essence. Well, that's the, that's the answer. That's the only way he made the claim himself. It's the reason why a lot of folks, you know, they'll sit there and especially the day and time that we live in uh, where we've embraced universalism and the reason why Mm. so many have embraced, uh, universalism and universalism means this. You can believe whatever you want to believe. Everybody can believe it. It doesn't really matter. Believe whatever you want to believe. It's all going to work out in the end. That's right. We're all correct. We're all right. And so many people have embraced universalism. Because we think that uh, that means we're being tolerant, uh, and that shows that we love and care for our fellow mankind. Jesus, when it comes to Christianity, did not even leave that as an option. I mean, if, if you embrace universalism, if you embrace and say, you know what, people, people can believe anything that they want to believe, and it's fine for them, and I'm sure... They'll they'll be in heaven with their God. Well, you've got to you've got to say accept Christianity because that Joker's crazy. Yeah. Now you you can't because he does not even leave that as an option, right? It is. I'm the only way. Right. That's it. That's me. It's, I'm the only one who died and rose again, never to die. You'll not find me in a grave. Uh, it's me. It's why why I came. It's why I left heaven, and so uh, it's you know it's in the um, in the tolerant society that we live in today. The gospel is not very tolerant, and uh, I would say uh, sin is extremely intolerant, and the gospel is what gives us a way to be able to have eternal life. Uh, as a result of this wicked, wicked world we live in. Well, Pastor Stephen, as always, thank you for your time um, going through this. I know that you spend a lot of time in prayer. You spend a lot of time studying to make sure uh, that the word is preached accurately. So thank you for your time. Thank you for discussing this with us. Um, and again, if you're listening, we ask you, uh, if there's any questions that you have, you can send those to podcast at Highland Park. And we will talk to you next week.
Hi, this is Pastor Stephen Kyle, and I want to thank you today for listening to our Unchangeable Truth podcast. Our prayer is that you have been challenged as well as encouraged as we study God's Word verse by verse. If you're ever in the Panama City area, we would love for you to come and worship with us in person at Highland Park Baptist Church, 2611 Highway 231 North in Panama City. If you want to learn more about our ministry and about our church, we would encourage you to go to our website, www.highland, and that's H-I-L-A-N-D, park, P-A-R-K, dot org. If you have any questions or any comments about today's podcast, feel free to shoot us an email at info at highlandpark.org. That's H-I-L-A-N-D-P-A-R-K dot org. Our prayer is that you would continue to draw close to God. And if you don't know Christ as Lord and Savior, please reach out to us and let us share with you the greatest story that's ever been told. God bless.